with us to presence, and especially those that are visiting with us. Thank you for being with us tonight. Those that are watching online will always appreciate you as well, and we hope that all is well with you and your family back home. Open your Bibles, if you will, to James chapter 5. James chapter 5, is we'll be studying from that text this evening, actually from James chapter 4 and 5. And while you're turning to that, just got a couple announcements that we need to, to mention as well. That uh, A classmate of Debbie Methvin's from Fried Hardeman, Marnie Laird, a uh, situation with his mother. Keep him and that family in your prayers about that. And also Bob Hadsock is not feeling well, and we forgot to mention that this morning. I know they're probably watching online, but uh, keep him in your prayers too. He's a little bit under the weather and didn't want to give that to us. So uh, we're thankful that he's selfish on that part. Anyway, keep, keep the, those families in your prayer altogether, public and private. We're going to be looking at James chapter 4 and 5 as we think about developing a good, a strong, maybe even a great prayer life. I, I appreciate Brother David Jones for, for reading that scripture tonight and Brother Jesse for leading our songs. But all of us are grateful for the privilege and the power of prayer. Or at least we should be. There are a lot of great blessings that we enjoy as God's people. And I think one of those great blessings is that ability to be able to come before the throne of God and to be able to offer our thanksgivings and our petitions and supplications unto Him so that He can be a blessing to us by the answers that He might give us. Might not be the answers that we deserve, or maybe it is the answers that we deserve. It might, might not be the answers that we feel that we deserve, but God has His way of being able to communicate and to make known our wants and our wishes, and that we'll be able to give Him our wants and our wishes and express our thanksgiving to Him and acknowledge Him as the God and the Savior of our lives. We begin tonight by, first of all, talking about some of the problems that are associated with prayer in our prayer life. Look with me to James chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 2 and 3, because there are some hindrances that seem to plague our prayer life. And first he talks about the danger of forgetting to pray. Let's notice. Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain, ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your lust. The idea here is, don't be forgetful. Don't be forgetful. Ere you left your room this morning, you remember reading those words, those singing those song, those words? Did you think to pray? We ought to express thanksgiving to God every morning. God has blessed us. And every time we're able to rise from our beds, God has blessed us with another day of life. And yet sometimes, for whatever reason, we fail to pray. Maybe we forget to pray. 
The psalmist in the long ago said, evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, he shall hear my voice, Psalm 55, 17. Here are some reasons why we might forget to pray. Number one, it might be the case that we're too busy. And that means we must be really busy if we have forgotten to pray. Now, I understand that there are that these are just merely excuses that we use, and I would grant that all of us are typically busy on a daily basis, but here's the question. Are we just that busy? Are we just too busy to pray? Well, the answer is no. We ought to make time to pray, and there are certain things, spiritually speaking, that we ought to do on a daily basis, but we ought to rope off a time, if you will, to do more, to do them. All of us understand the great privilege of prayer, and yet there are a lot of folks, even in the church, that sometimes get so busy, so consumed with life that we might forget to pray. Jesus told a parable in Luke 12, verse 16 and following, of a farmer whose barns were overflowing. And he said in verse 18, This will I do. I will pull down those barns and I will build greater and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. Now we can make a case that this guy was busy uh, and maybe too busy, right? And so there are many of us that find ourselves running on a daily basis and it seems that if we have no time to do the things that we would like to do and yet surely, surely we can rope off some time to communicate with God. To pray. And then there are some that maybe forget to pray because they're too blessed. Yeah. Someone has observed in the past that we typically do better in life when we face hardship rather than prosperity. So many in our world today and even in the church that where things are going well, that life is going well. That everything seems to be running as planned. And, and we, so we would say, well, you know, life is good. God is good. But then, again, as we sang that song, ere you left your room this morning, did you think to pray? The reason why you are blessed is because of God. Did you forget to pray? Are you too blessed that you would forget to pray? The Bible says that every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from above, right? From the Father of lights, James 1.17. You see, God has bountifully blessed us, each of us. The psalmist said, Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation, Psalm 68.19. The rich farmer that we were talking about just a moment ago, you recall the Lord said on that occasion that his attitude was just to eat, drink, and be merry. Life is good. He was too busy. But the only problem is, is he didn't realize that his life was about to end. And what good is all that with the new barns and the overflowing of eat, drink, and be merry. And so Jesus concluded that parable in Luke 12 and verse 21 by talking about, so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Sometimes we can have so much in life that life can be so good that we forget about God and to pray. There's a third reason where sometimes people forget to pray. 
and that is that they are too burdened. Now, I would grant that it's hard to understand just how somebody would, could forget to pray when the burdens of life are overwhelming. I think that's more likely when people would pray is when they got so many burdens that they, they feel overwhelmed. But sometimes people do, don't they? they? They might be so bowed down with the cares and the anxieties and the trials and the tribulations of life that they just forget to pray. And yet, isn't it the case that when we face the hardship and, and the burdens of life that we ought to dig deeper and to pray more earnestly? I would think so. Do you remember what Jesus said in Luke 22 and verse 44? As he prayed in the shadow of the cross, that the Bible says, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. I don't get how some people can forget to pray when the times are tough. Most people, when times are tough, they pray, and yet some forget to pray. But then there's a fourth reason why folks sometimes forget to pray, and that is that they're too bitter. Too bitter. Go back and, and look at James in chapter 1, and look at verse 2, if you will. Because James, James says right there, he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations or various trials. In that context, he has in mind the various trials that are common to all people. The trials that are outward in nature, anything from sickness or disease to illness, the loss of a job, maybe a financial reversal, maybe the loss of a loved one. But the list can go on and on and on. I'm sure you could add to that list some of the things that you've experienced. But sometimes the difficulties of life tend to lead to bitterness and it really disappointment. Some folks become so bitter at their state in life, they actually are angry with God, thinking that God made that, that God put them in that situation. I think about Job. Job chapters 1 and 2, and where Job lost, it, he lost a lot of his very important blessings. You know, he lost his family. He lost his wealth. He lost his health. And yet, the Bible says in Job 2, 9, that his own wife failed to even be supported of him and said, well, why don't you just curse God and die? How sad. How sad of a state. I, I, I get the impression that maybe there was some bitterness in her heart at this point. But Job refused to do that, didn't he? And Job said in Job 13, 15, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him, but I will maintain mine own ways before him. Job wasn't bitter. He was better. Better than all of his friends and his wife. You know, some folks have become so bitter and so angry with the circumstances of life that they forget to pray. There's a second problem that we notice here in James 4 and verse 2. And James says, Ye have not because ye ask not. Hmm. Verse 3, he said, Ye ask and receive not. And why is that? Because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts, your pleasures. But the second problem associated with prayer has to do with foolishness. And really what James is saying is, number one, don't be forgetful. But then number two, don't be foolish. Don't you be foolish. 
there's a danger of praying selfishly rather than submissively. Have you ever thought about how sometimes that, that really we go to God in prayer and we ask Him very specifically for certain things, and yet our prayers are offset by what we need rather than what we need, what we want, right? Is it not the case that God knows best of what we need? Yes. Our wants should not override our needs. I think, for example, what Paul had to say in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And you might remember in that context, the Bible says in verse 7, There was given unto me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, yes, lest I should be exalted above measure. And he said in verse 8 that he pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart. This thorn in the flesh, whatever that might have been, messenger of Satan. But what did the Lord say in verse 9? He says, my grace is sufficient unto thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. You know, sometimes we think that we know what's best. But ultimately, God knows what's best. Sometimes in our prayer lives, we may ask for this, and maybe we ask for that. And we had the idea that we need a certain thing, a certain, certain, a certain circumstance to, to come to pass. And things don't work out that way, do they? When we pray, we ought to be like Jesus, who in the Garden of Gethsemane had prayed three times, not my will, but thy will be done, Lord. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 5 and verse 7 that Jesus prayed unto the Father earnestly, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death. And notice, he was heard in that he feared. Jesus, as he faced the cross, he could pray to his father, if there is any other way, Lord, Father, that this can still be accomplished, let it come to pass. God's will ultimately prevailed. When we pray, we ought to pray that God's will will triumph over our will. John said in 1 John 5, 14, he says, and this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Sometimes I think that we misunderstand that particular verse because we'll ask according to our will, not God's. And so we ask amiss. Sometimes it seems as if our prayers are self-centered. And ultimately, God knows what's best. So now, let's think about the privileges. We looked at the problems associated with prayer and our prayer life. But what about the privileges that are associated with our prayer life? I really believe believe that it's an honor for us to be able to go before God with prayer. There are people around our world that have a lot of clout, they have a, a little black book, and in that book they, they have some very, very important, sometimes very famous people listed there. Powerful, powerful people. And they can call on them at any time, day or night, and they'll be there. Listen, as a child of God, guess who we can call on at any time, day or night, if it isn't God the Father? 
There's no one any more powerful than the God of heaven before whom we can pray to know that we can bow in his presence and that he will hear us. Look with me now to James chapter 5. And I want us to think for just a moment about the right to pray. Prayer is a great spiritual blessing. There are a number of spiritual blessings that Paul talked about in Ephesians 1 and verse 3, that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. But one of those blessings, by all means, is prayer. Peter said, for the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. 1 Peter 3, 12. Did you know that, that God desires that his people pray? Did you know that God wants you to pray to him, that he, he wants to hear from you? If you have children, typically you want to hear from them on occasion. I know sometimes with parents that the only time that they hear from their children is, is when they need something. Like money or help in some way. It, it may be the case that the only time our Heavenly Father ever hears from us, well, is when we need something. That ought not be the case. God wants us to pray. Jesus taught in Luke 18, 1, that men ought always to pray. Paul said that we're to pray without ceasing, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. He would further teach that we're to continue in prayer and watching the same with thanksgiving, Colossians 4 and verse 2. So Jesus said that we ought to ask to seek, to knock, to be a people of prayer. And we ought to have enough confidence in our prayer life that we believe that God hears us and that God will act accordingly to his will. And so, yes, God desires for his people to pray, but there's a second thing in that God delights in our prayers, doesn't he? Just imagine you're seeing somebody on the phone and all of a sudden a big smile comes across their face because when they picked up that phone, it was a son or a daughter. To hear from them delighted them, even though they might have been asking for something. But that's not always the case. Just to hear their voice brings a smile. The eyes are lit up. How happy that is. Can you imagine God the Father? If he was to have a face and he had to smile, his eyes all lit up when he hears from us. He delights in our prayers to know that our God, the one who created this world that fashioned us in the likeness of his image, the very God that gave his only begotten son so that we might enjoy the, the everlasting life, God delights in our prayers. Just think about that. It doesn't matter who you are, what your life lot in life is. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, rich or poor, red, yellow, black, and white. It doesn't matter. God wants to hear from you. And he delights in hearing from us. There's a great passage in Proverbs 15 and verse 8 where Solomon said that the prayer of the upright is his delight. God wants to hear from you. And, you know, our cell phones, our smartphones are amazing. We have these on those phones, what, what, what might be caller ID, right? We, we pretty much know who's calling. And maybe, maybe when we see who's calling, we might, 
We might say, well, I don't know if I want to pick that up because I'll be on the phone for the next two hours, but that's all right, you know, all right? And that, that name pops up, and that might be your first thought, but I don't want to talk to them right now, but, and, and I know you might not think that, but there are just some folks that can wear out your phone, but there are some other people that you might delight in hearing from them. Maybe you've been praying for them. Maybe a situation, has, and, and all of a sudden, they light up your phone, and you were just like, I was just thinking of you, and just actually was just in prayer to God for you. And then you called. Tell me the good news. Tell me the wonderful news. We just delight in hearing in those situations. Well, think about God. Think about God. He just delights to hear from his people. Wherever you are in life, whatever might be your, your circumstance in life, God wants to hear from you. I don't care if you're at the North Pole, South Pole, either to the East or to the West. It doesn't matter. God wants to hear from you. To know that God not only wants to hear from you, but that he attentively listens to every word you say. He's listening. Now, there are some times when talking to some people, you can talk to them, and it's as if the lights are on, but nobody's home, right? Yeah, okay. But you really don't know if they're listening or not, but that's not the case with God. He hears every syllable. He hears every word. God hears every single word. To know that the creator of the universe is willing to give me and of course, he's in eternity, but he's willing to give me that time. To give me that time. He's willing to hear me. He wants to hear from me. Now tell me what greater privilege and honor is to know that I can have the ear of Almighty God. That is wonderful to know that he's listening. And he's probably hanging on every single word. You can't buy that kind of a blessing. I'm sorry. There's not enough money to purchase that kind of blessing. But what about some reasons why we are to pray? James, I believe, talks about some valid reasons of why we as his people, God's people, will want to pray. Look with me to James 5 and verse 13. Listen, listen. He begins by asking this question. Is any among you afflicted or suffering? Listen to how he answers with these three words. Let him pray. If any among you are afflicted or suffering, here's the remedy. Let him pray. Why is that? Because there's power in prayer, right? There's power. To know that we can bow before the throne of heaven when we're suffering. You know, some of God's greatest, best, and noblest saints have bowed before his throne when they have suffered the most. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, when he said that he had that thorn in the flesh. And for this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. The Lord responded by saying, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Do you think Paul was suffering? I think he was suffering a lot. Enough that he would pray three times in hopes that it would go away. But then there's a second reason connected to suffering. Look at verse 14. He says, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. You know, the elders of the church are 
pastors, they are bishops, they're overseers. They had the responsibility of attending to the flock, caring for the flock, of knowing the flock. But there's also this idea of knowing the flock to the point that the church is comfortable enough to call and ask them to pray on their behalf. I, I think in this context, these elders probably had the miraculous power by the laying on of the apostles' hands, but it's quite possible that they were, they might have been present on that occasion because he said, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, oil in ancient times had medicinal purposes. And you think about the story of the Good Samaritan that we read about in Luke 10, verse 30 and following. And yet you remember this fellow had fallen among the thieves and, and the Good Samaritan, he, he poured oil on his wounds. Verse 34. It's quite possible that Medicinally speaking, this oil was used in that context. In James 5 and verse 15, Jesus or James said, And the prayer of the faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise them up. And so the apostles had the ability to impart these spiritual gifts in the first century by the laying on of their hands. And you can read about that in the book of Acts. But nonetheless, the Bible talks about the power of prayer. But in verse 15, the Bible speaks of the sick being restored to health. Because he goes on to say, And if ye have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. I think sometimes during sickness or illness, disease or the difficulties of life, it really becomes a, a prompter, encouraging people to, to think about their spiritual life. Comes that time. And of course, in verse 16, he talks about confessing your trespasses, your faults to one another, and pray for one another. But then there's a third reason of why we ought to pray, and it would be because of sin. Because of sin. God's people had the assurance that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In this context, here's somebody that was sick, Right? He was sick and they called for the elders of the church. The elders come and they, they apply the oil, medicinally speaking. They pray for this brother or sister. And then there's this restoration of health, physically speaking. But there's also something more importantly that we see here. There's that restoration of the spiritual health as well. Because you see, one of the great blessings that we have as a child of God, is praying for one another. We can, we can acknowledge our faults, we can acknowledge our shortcomings, and we can ask people to pray with us and for us. And we do that with the assurance of God will abundantly pardon us as His children. It's only as long as we repent and pray, right? Now James is writing to Christians. We understand that in order to become a child of God, we had to put our faith and trust in Jesus. We had to believe that he is the son of the living God, John 8, 24. And that we're to repent of our sins, Luke 13, 3 and 5, and also Acts 17, 30. And that we're to be immersed in a watery grave of baptism, Romans 6, 3 and 4. Whereby we contact the blood of Christ. And now that's the important part, the blood of Christ that washes away our sins, Acts twenty two sixteen, And then we will be in fellowship with God and his people because we are a part of the body, the church of our Lord. 
Now, as a child of God, when we stumble, when we fall, when we succumb to temptation, when we get out of harmony with the will of God, what do we do? Well, John said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, 1 John 1, 9. James said, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another, didn't he? Why? He says that you may be healed, forgiven. Look at James 5. Let's look at verses 19 and 20. James 5, 19 and 20. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converted the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Brethren, if any among you wanders from the truth, that is to wander away, to err, He's talking about somebody that leaves the faith that go back into the world. And he said if they wander from the truth and someone turns them back or converts that person, brings them back to the Lord. He said, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from that second death called hell and shall hide a multitude of sins. And so here is somebody that has been reclaimed. They're out of service with the Lord. They're, they're out of harmony with His will. They're not living as a, as a child of God should. And, and James said that when these people are reclaimed, their soul has been saved from death and a multitude of sins have been covered. That person, to use the words of James in, James, in, James, in verse 16 there, hath been healed. Healed of what? Well, he's healed of this spiritual illness. From that sin. For you see sin destroys. Sin is devastating. Sin is ultimately. A battle. And if we lose that battle. We shall suffer. Eternal punishment. That's what James is talking about. In verses 19 and 20. He's saying that that person healed. He's healed by the very blood of Jesus. That great physician. There are two other reasons of why we are to pray, and they go hand in hand, and that's for strength and support. Strength and support. Do you ever need strength? Do you ever need support? Well, sometimes we need strength to make it day by day. Sometimes we just need some support, don't we? We need to know that there's somebody who cares enough for us, somebody that will stand by us and for us 24-7. You want me to tell you who that is? God the Father. You can call on him at any time. He's going to stand by you. Whatever you face in life, he's there for you. He will listen. When Jesus prayed in that garden of Gethsemane again, I think about the words of the Hebrew writer when he says, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard in that he feared. God the Father heard his son. When we need support, when we need strength, to whom can we turn to? To the Lord. In Hebrews 4 and verse 16, the writer said, Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in time of need. Is that not what Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane? Yes, he did. Can we not do the same? Absolutely. But later, Peter would say, 
casting all your care upon him. Why, Peter? For he careth for you. 1 Peter 5, 7. That's support. That's a built-in support system that every child of God has in this life. The psalmist in Psalm 55, 22 said, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. To know that there's a God in heaven and to know that God in heaven wants to hear from you. And that God in heaven has the ability to support and strengthen you and me. Remember what the Lord said to Paul? My strength is made perfect in weakness. The Lord was there for him and he's going to be there for us. And then finally, what about the power of prayer? Look at verses 16 through 18 of James 5. First of all, we have an example, an earnest prayer life by a man named Elias or Elijah. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And here's why he said that. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again and the earth, the heaven gave rain and the earth brought her fruit. You can go back and you can read about that in 1 Kings chapter 17 and 18. The point is, is that he was a child of God. That is, he was a saint who earnestly prayed to the Lord. What about the effectiveness of that prayer? Well, he prayed that it wouldn't rain. And it didn't rain, right? He prayed that it would rain. What did it do? It rained. And so the point is, look at the latter part of verse 16. And here's what James said. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. James is saying that prayer works. He's saying that there is power in prayer. When we are going before the throne of Almighty God, He hears our prayers. He answers them accordingly to His will. And prayer works. I suspect that all of us can look back over the course of our lives and we can pinpoint uh, different situations or circumstances. When we had prayed to Almighty God, uh, our hearts have been burdened. We faced difficulties and and trials or whatever, and we've been on our hands, our knees, and we're praying to Almighty God. And so we can look back at those situations, and we can see God answering those prayers. And what James is saying here is that, look, hey, you need to believe in the power of prayer. Why? Because it works. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. When we leave here tonight, what we need to do to take home with us is the fact that there's power in prayer. It is a privilege to pray. And you and I can pray with the assurance and confidence that God will hear us to know that prayer works. And so in closing, if you, in order for you to, to be a righteous man, you have to be a child of God. To understand and know that, that God has provided this ability for us to approach Him. And it's not to say that God doesn't hear your prayers even as a man in error, a man in sin. 
he hears those prayers. And by his providence, it might be he puts you into a position where you're able to study and know more about God so that you can become a child of God and that he will then listen more attentively to your prayers. But the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So we have to be a child of God. And we do that by believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. By repentance of our sins, making that good confession that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then go down into the waters of baptism to have those sins washed away. Now he made all that possible through his Son, who went to that cross and died and shed his blood for you and me. He then was buried in that new tomb. It was a borrowed tomb. But he, on that third day, he rose from that grave to never die again, overcoming death. He's the only one that's ever overcome death in that sense of dying, but then basically coming back alive. No other. And that's the wonderful thing, because that blood that was shed on that cross gives us hope. And so if you're here not a child of God, can we encourage you to become one? Maybe you're here already a child of God. Maybe you've already done those things. And maybe like this morning, you haven't been living a holy life and you want to repent of that. We're told to repent and pray. Acts 8, 22. Isn't that what Peter told Simon, the sorcerer, who was once a sorcerer? To repent and pray that God will forgive you. You can do that even tonight as a child of God. Repent and pray that God will forgive you. And we'll pray with you and for you as well. But the time is now. Don't put it off any longer. As we sing this song of encouragement, number 207, I hope that you'll take those words and realize Jesus is our Savior. And that's the only way you can be saved from your sins. As together we stand.